welcome to Salam Nerds Podcast. Salam, nerds! It's your boy Neebs, aka Watch with Neebs, and I'm here with my co-host Jeff, aka DJ Turmeric. What? <laughs> DJ Turmeric. Turmeric? <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, I got I got a bottle of turmeric right here. Apparently, my cholesterol is really high, Jazz. I need to my take guy, care of myself. <laughs> you are brown. We call it haldi, okay? It is haldi. You're right. That's what we <laughs> call it. Turmeric is from us. It's our people. Like, right. This is this is appropriation. <laughs> GNC has been appropriating our shit. <laughs> Straight up appropriation, I swear to God. Oh man, <laughs> listen, man, we uh, we have a fun episode today because listen, man, uh, that the episode, the Ander finale was bananas, mm-hmm. man. It was bananas. Um, Ma, before I can't we get into, wait it, to get man, into it, you gotta introduce our guest here because these are some hot shots here too in the podcasting world. Yeah, yeah. Listen, like, if you follow me on Twitter, like, I went on rant. I was on a rant today talking about this. I was, like, sitting at home on my phone, crying, watching this show, and then just tweeting my feelings. Like, yeah, <laughs> something is wrong with me, man. Something is broken because my feelings are no. just all over the place. <laughs> no, no, no. This episode had me in tears, like, in moments. So I completely right? understand. Mm-hmm. Right? It was a good feeling, man. It was a good feeling, this show. But uh, speaking of good feelings, you know what gets me a good feeling? Our guests! Oh, my God. We got to welcome our guests today. These mm-hmm. are one of my favorite people. They were one of the first people to ask me on a podcast. Probably, like, the second people to ever, like, ask me to be on a podcast. And it was so much fun back when the Miss Marvel stuff was going. And it was a pleasure to be on their podcast. They brought me back again for a second time for some reality show stuff. These guys are amazing. They're big deals. I would go to Comic-Con, and I would just hear random people name drop their names all over the place. It's awesome. So I want to welcome, like, TJ and Garrett, man. And I want you guys to introduce yourself. So why don't we start off with TJ. TJ, please introduce yourself. Whew, I'm uh, turning red here from that intro. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Like you said, Neebs, we've linked up a couple times. Had just the best time. My first time uh, waking up for a podcast with Jazz, and I'm very excited about it. And, you know, they, we, we, yeah, like you mentioned, the Agents of Fandom, we've been cooking for a while. We just started uh, up our website, and I think March was when we launched, and uh, it's just been absolutely booming. Started out as a Marvel Star Wars podcast, turned out into a full TV and film website with a bunch of different podcasts, and uh, it's just been popping. And I'm out here in Canada. It's cold out right now. I got my hood up. Garrett's got his beanie on, just in spirits, even though he's in, even though he's in uh, Cali, just helping me feel warm out here. Hey, but it's I'm, like I'm, I'm sixty here. It's like sixty <laughs> here, and that's equivalent to like you know, very cold there. <laughs> how, how are you guys doing on the World Cup, by the way? How's Canada doing in the World Cup right now? I didn't watch, but I heard Canada played a pretty damn good game today. All right, all right. I haven't watched either, man. I'm just... <laughs> all right. Well, listen, uh, Garrett, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, my name is Garrett, and I co-host the Agents of Fandom podcast with TJ. And I'm honestly still kind of reeling that uh, I didn't know that we were only the second people to invite you on a podcast. That kind of blows my mind and uh, makes me think that more podcasters need to up their game a little bit and kind of get, <laughs> mm-hmm. get with it because that blows me away. Uh, that's that's uh, an unbelievably n- low number. But Jazz, it's a pleasure to meet you and and. Neebs, we've we've been a fan of you for a long time, so it's it's very it's such a pleasure to finally be here and and talking such an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah I'm so excited. And like, yeah, this. Jazz, 
Jazz has not met them yet, man. So like I'm, Jazz yeah. is my co-host. He's my partner in crime and he's been there every step of the way, man. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you guys finally got to meet Jazz. Also, like how many people work with you guys? Cause like whenever I'm Twitter, somebody has agents of fandom in their profile. Like every time I read somebody, I'm like, another one of them, another one of them. <laughs> Do you guys have an army? <laughs> Anyone that's talented, we gotta scoop them up. <laughs> that's like, hey, that's why every time Smart. we've had a conversation, I've been like, me, you know, if you ever want to start writing, you come through because we'd love to have you. Like we so we started in March and it mm-hmm. was the three of us. Me, Garrett, and our producer slash graphic designer slash Swiss Army knife slash we need him, otherwise we would burn in flames. Yeah, we would never have gotten anywhere. Ruben. And so he's he's the he's really the key to our whole operation. He's the behind the scenes guy who just does absolutely everything. And it started out as the three of us, and we thought, hey, I mean, we could use a little more help. Do you want ask the friend? Do you want to join us? Do you want to join us? And thankfully, just from being in this industry and from listening to other podcasts and interacting in their chat, stuff like that. We've met a lot of really, really kind, talented, hardworking people who just wanted to be with us as we grow. And it's, it's been a pretty awesome time so far. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I we have it, had man. the same experience. So this is great. <laughs> Listen, my goal is to have like at least every single person on, uh, from ages of fandom on our podcast. I'm going to collect you guys like infinity stones. Like one day I'm going to go like, yes. <laughs> That's uh, you're going to need a couple multiverses for, uh, for I, we got, uh, several. <laughs> I think we're almost, almost 30 now. Uh, is wow. Around God our number. Damn. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I think I'm overestimating a bit. I believe the around. group chat is sitting at 29. Wow. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, a- we feel very, uh, very honored um, that we get to work alongside such talented people. I mean, a few of them have been on here. M, um, I think maybe Jaden has been on here, Some, uh, a couple others. But we have such talented people around us that always inspire us to just keep doing good. And we share the same values. And it really makes coming to coming to work uh easy every day and when i yeah. sign off my regular job i'm happy to continue doing stuff for agents of fandom because it's just such a blessing mm-hmm. yeah Love absolutely that. this is and my like, escape from the real world so absolutely yeah, yeah. i get that so much man this is 100 percent. i love for it sure, for real and also you guys are super supportive i mean when we did the miss marvel stuff you guys were super supportive about miss marvel and i love the fact that you guys went out of your way to find voices of color to talk about miss marvel not a lot of people did that and i really appreciate people who go out of their way to do that kind of stuff man it's always appreciated so i appreciate that and uh all right man also like ruben i have not seen his face man I'm, i think he might be next i think we got to get him we on get the ruben. show next. Right. we got to get ruben man so here's the thing we actually barely get to see his face maybe like <laughs> one out of ten times we're in a room with him it'll pop in and say what's up and it's not even like it's not even a good picture it's like this <laughs> like a chin or something but you know we're happy with that we're blessed we'll take it um, we'll take that chin we don't care <laughs> he's happy to be behind the scenes he's kind of this international man of mystery and you know what i respect it but he's handsome from what I've seen, he's handsome. Ooh, that's probably why he's not on the show. He doesn't want to make you guys look bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. We didn't like, set the bar very high. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. it does. It, it it hurts our uh, credibility too. With like, like you said, Neebs, it, it was important for us to, with our platform, try and uplift as many voices of color as possible because the podcasting industry and just the comic book industry in general is just so white yeah. that. It's as to guys who are sitting in that space as white guys, it's like, well, damn, we're kind of just making this worse, aren't we? And so we wanted to find ways that to make it so that that wasn't the case. But Ruben was the one person of color in our big three to start with, and he never gets on onto the front screen, <laughs> which uh, was really it's a shame. Always say it's just important to have people of color behind the scene as it is in front of the screen. So they're also both true. very important, very very important. And it's, it's, it's been a big thing. I mean, I can't, if I'm remembering correctly, a big, I always, I've been giving it to you in the past before because you haven't seen Ted Lasso. Am I correct? I have. I love oh. Ted Lasso. I'm a okay. It is. Friend. You love Ted Lasso. Then it was, we were bonding over the love for Ted Lasso. That's what it was. I knew it was one of the extremes and I couldn't remember which one it was, but yeah. there's a, a coach beard quotes, a Canadian um, professor at the university of BC about how, you know, we used to think that trees competed with each other for sunlight. Mm. Whereas in fact, that's not the case. There is enough sunlight 
for yes. all of the trees mm-hmm. to grow in unison. I've heard this. Yes. They do this weird thing where like leaves will like come this close, but they will never like overlap or try to fight for other trees like resources. It's wild. And I've seen it happen in real life. And yeah. the because of that, they're all able to grow tall. They're all able to thrive. And that's kind of how I like to think of this industry as well as there are enough nerds out there yes. that uh, we can all thrive. We don't have to be putting each other down in this industry. We just get to make friends and then talk about nerd stuff with our friends. And it's a pretty damn good time. That mm-hmm. is true. That is true. Well, speaking of talking about nerd stuff, man, let's get to it. Let's talk about Andor. Listen, before <laughs> we get dive into the episode... Let's talk about the show overall because, man, I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite Star Wars content. It is so good. Um, I, I cried at this finale because there were some speeches in here that I was like – Just back really, to back. I was just really in my feels, man. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, man. Uh, shout out to Razi in the uh, Razi in the comments. Rise of the Nerds, man. That's what it is. Yeah. Rise of the Nerds. Screen Sisters, Emma. Like, thank you all. For oh, being we love Screen Sisters. Mm-hmm. And oh, Emma. Man. And Emma, of course. Okay. Emma, Emma was Razi. just on our show. She was just on our Bachelor <laughs> episode, and we were just having so much fun with her, man. Ugh. But yes, yes. Listen, this episode was amazing. Um, this whole show is amazing. Honestly, like the Mandalorian was my favorite Star Wars shows. I think this might have the Mandalorian beat. Like it might have the Mandalorian beat in my opinion. Um, so let's go around the room, man. Garrett, how about you? You want to go first? Oh, I would, I would love to go first. Okay. So let me give a little bit of backstory. Um, my favorite piece of Star Wars content, uh, and this is the same for TJ as well, is Star Wars Rebels. Um, Interesting. Just- yeah, which this is a very out there opinion. Not many people share it, but we just love that show and, and what it did for the universe and, and those yeah. characters in the show. And my favorite live action movie is Rogue One. Okay, um, that's a very common thing. Common, but you common either, now. Love, it, you either love it or you hate it. Um, yeah. And I came out of that movie like thrilled. However, mm-hmm. my least favorite part of Rogue One coming out of the movie was... Diego Luna's Cash and Andor. So when this show was ah. announced, I was like, oh no, I don't know if I need this. Um, I can see that. I can see that. Not stoked. Not stoked all the way up until like the first trailer came out. And the first trailer came out and I was like, damn, I might have to eat my words because that looks really, really <laughs> awesome. Um, and now that it's out, now it's fully out. Um, what, what a monumental achievement. Uh, it's right up there with Rebels to me. Uh, it's very similar in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, and it's just inspiring. It's emotional. Yes. There's incredible acting, incredible writing, the costume design, the set design, the sound. Uh, there's really, you can go on and on and on a whole list about the incredible things about the show. What's not incredible is the viewership. Yeah. Uh, I really wish more people liked the show or like understood how good it is because the depth you can go back and watch the show, you know, 12 times and find different things in yes. each of the episodes every time you watch it. And so I think that that's a really, this is a, a monumental achievement in my opinion. Very true. Very true. TJ, what about you, man? What are your thoughts? I, yeah, I agree with everything said, you know, for me, this isn't my favorite star wars show but i think it's undoubtedly the best quality live action star wars show Mm. so for me so much of it is like i i love some lightsabers and i love some nostalgia and so without much of those type of pieces in here it doesn't hit the same kind of like raw excitement for me as a lot of other star wars content does Ahsoka Tano is my favorite character. So getting to see her in The Mandalorian, getting to see her in Book of Boba Fett, getting to see young Anakin again in Obi-Wan Kenobi, like it's just like, ooh, I love that stuff so, so much. But none of those shows were the quality that Andor was in terms of storytelling, right. the writing, the themat- the thematic components. As a whole, the 12 episodes uh, were, were just fantastic. Um, I do think this is going to be a show that ages very well in terms of viewership like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people didn't feel like this was a priority that every wednesday they had to make sure they were tuning in because they didn't have that hook they didn't have that oh it's obi-wan kenobi back oh look at cute little baby yoda they didn't have that hook to get them in there it's kind of like that part of uh 
the unbearable weight of massive talent where Nick Cage and pa Pedro Pascal are having a conversation and they're like, at the last second, Nick Cage gives them a switch up and he's like, ah, we need something to get them in the theater, you know, that, that action <laughs> moment, the trailer moment. Right. And it was almost like this was kind of missing that. And so it didn't get people to be like tuning in every single week. But I think this is going to be something that people will be like, now that it's out and in its entirety, oh, I want to binge this. And, and yeah. I'm going to check this out. Then after they watch the third episode, they're going to be like, oh, damn, I need to watch all of this right now yep. and finish yeah. it probably in a day or two. And so I think that's how this one's going to play out. It's going to have probably some consistent streaming um, numbers as we go, even after the show is done. And if I had one small, small qualm about the finale itself is I thought it was two acts of perfectness. And then mm -hmm. right in the end, I get because this show, we already know there's a season two and right. it's been laid out to us that this is a two season story it is not a one season story it is a two season story yep right and i feel like at the very end i was just waiting for a few loose ends to be tied up a little bit yeah. more of a <sighs> who's uncle harlow what, who is that dude <laughs> who's uncle harlow where's his sister um what's going on with mon, mon mothma i kind of thought cassian and mon mothma's stories were going to intersect at kind of by the end somehow and just so there was a bit of that that left me wanting more, but that's not that large of a qualm for me because that more I know is going to come in season right. two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, for me, I think one of the things that makes me like this so much is because, like, as someone who is a Muslim, someone who's from, like, you know, the South Asian region, and I have a lot of friends who are Middle Eastern, like, these are things we are still dealing with. Like, it's hard to see in America, but, like, uh, tyranny, fascism... Uh, you know, authoritarianism, like this stuff is still happening in Iran, it's happening in Kashmir, it's happening to the Uyghurs, like it's happening all over the world. And to see like a story centered around oppression was really, really touching to me. And it was really like, it gave me hope. And that's the main line from Rogue One. It's like <laughs> rebellions are built on hope. And I was like, yo, I'm watching the show and I'm crying because I like, yo, like it's possible. Like we can get through this. We can have a revolution. We can have a rebellion. And like, like my prayers go out to the people in Iran and everywhere else. It's just like these things are happening in real life. And when I watch the show, it's hard for me not to like think that it's real. It's hard for me not to just completely think it's fantasy because like everywhere I know, there's people I know who have relatives that are suffering all over the world because of this right and even in america we do have like police brutality and the prison system and there's reform needed and we got to see all of that in this show and it really blew me away it gave me like crazy perspective and i can't and i love the space ninjas the, the, the space space swords and all that stuff <laughs> but it never makes me think and it never makes me feel the way this show does so mm -hmm. jazz what about you man what are your thoughts mm. You said it rise I put a piece of sushi in my mouth. I know. Um, <laughs> um, this was sushi, more Star Wars to me. This was like the most Star Wars that Star Wars can be. Yeah, this it just the wars in Star Wars. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Like it emulates, it encapsulates what a rebellion is. Yeah. You see the ground level of fascism and oppression and how that affects people on a day-to-day -day basis. You see the top level of the planning that goes into that oppression my favorite part of the finale episode sorry jazz i'll throw it back to you real no, quick all good, man. Keep going. This, is good. <laughs> this was supposed to be a quick tangent that only lasted as long as a sushi bite um but my favorite part of the episode was going back to hearing his friends recording from the operation and yeah, the manifesto man. the manifesto the man exactly mm -hmm. and it just felt like one this is the setup for rogue one this is what inspires the final inspiration of cassian and he finally decides like i can be the one that is the the difference maker that overthrows the overthrows the empire and he literally is in rogue one right. um but then it just I forgot what my original point was. It's so uh, it was so wonderful. Uh, like forget forget Cassian. It inspired me. I'm like, where do I sign? Yeah. How do I fight this war? I, I want to help. We've said this a couple of times on our podcast, and I think that it's really funny that like 
I think we we've said it's really funny that Obi-Wan Kenobi got a lot of hate for like being super woke because it had like a black girl that was wielding a lightsaber. And in reality, and in reality, Andor has like them sending people off to like prison camps like Nazis. (laughs) And like it's like seriously hammering it home in like every episode as hard as as hard as She-Hulk was about the dude bros, you know? It's like seriously that obvious in the show, but yet no one is like damn this andor is too woke because they haven't even seen it to be honest with you but i haven't i haven't seen a lot of that and that's it's funny that obi-wan kenobi gets that when it's really just not that at all and this is you know essentially what they don't like it to be and yet no one notices it that's so wild to me i didn't even think of that obi-wan kenobi is not woke at all all they had was casted a black person and this show is the (laughs) wokest show ever and you don't hear anything that just blows my mind like, oh, it's just a rebellion. That's what they do in Star Wars. I don't know. It shows how it shows how stupid all these. Yeah, <laughs> like is that the is that the lesson here? You can't have black leads. Like, come on. It shows how stupid these people are that complain about that stuff, though, mm-hmm. because when there's anything with depth like Andor, they don't even notice it. Yeah. It's just oh, there's a black person on my screen. I mm-hmm. hate this. I can't handle it. Woke, woke agenda. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And these are the same people that don't understand that Homelander is like a real life making fun of them. And they're like, Homelander, let's go. He's so cool. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same amount of dumb. Yeah, the Boys, Wolf of Wall Street, and Fight Club are like the three movies that people like. And I'm just like, yeah, it's making fun of you. Like, you're what's wrong. It's just like, you don't get it. It's so yeah, funny. it's so blissfully ignorant that it's hilarious. You got to respect it. We got some people in the comments. Uh, Rezzy said that uh, Andy Serkis' performance, always delivering for the nurse. That was incredible. His performance yeah. was incredible. And uh, we'll, get we'll to talk that. about the po- – we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, all right. So they're preparing this stuff on Rick's Road, and we see um, this guy who is basically – talking to one of the guys and saying like yeah man could you imagine not being there for your mom kind of being like a spy and he kind of just like betrays everybody uh and like i was like that's interesting that they show that like there are people that will still betray the town so it kind of shows that like not everybody is for this some of the people uh like to be oppressed some people don't know that they're oppressed and this goes into the conversation or the speech that we see later on because some people don't know they're asleep right and this guy Mm -hmm. who betrayed basically andor you see him come to a a little bit later and kind of change his mind but it's really really interesting how they showed all of the characters um i was going to ask like what are your thoughts about that what do you think about just the everyday people like the way they came out in the little marching band and they played the music. Like this episode was really about the people in the town and it really focused on that. Let's go back to the most amazing unsung hero of this episode. And that was Anvil guy. I don't know who Anvil guy was, right? (laughs) Oh my God. He started all of that like two hours before it was scheduled, right? He just went up there and was like, you know what? Let's go. Boom. Right. The band was warming up. I don't think anybody was ready. Or maybe it was planned, but the yeah, nice. <laughs> TJ got the hammer. TJ got that. TJ, was... just give us the anvil. Give us the anvil. Yeah. There we go. Right, but anvil guy, right? Yeah. If anything happened to him, this may not have happened, and so he yeah. was the bravest one to go up and start doing his whole thing two hours early to catch them all off guard. Yeah. And that did wonders for what can happen with the people that came next. And he smoked a stormtrooper up there too. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. That was he, awesome. He, he did a this is Sparta kick. <laughs> yeah, he did. I quite literally said that to my to my girlfriend as it happened. <laughs> I can't, it's so funny that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. So yeah, yeah, I really really like that. Um, what did you guys think about uh, Cynthia story and uh, who's the girl Vex? I believe Vel. Val, Val, you know, they, we got to see a little bit of more of their story. Um, it's getting intertwined. And then you see her like stab a dude. And she's like, yeah, that bloody mine. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm good. Um, we don't really see exactly like what they're doing. They were there to kill Andor, but they kind of just like bailed on the, on the mission and kind of were doing their own thing. I think, well, that's the whole point because like when, um, uh, even, uh, 
listen, Luthen was there, right? He was ready to kill yeah. them. Like there were like three of them ready to kill him. Yeah. But then the magic happened. Yeah. And that was Marva. Once yeah. they saw Marva's speech, they were like, "Oh, oh, we we have no idea what's actually going on here. We thought right? it was just us. No, this is not just us. This is something much bigger right now. Dude, <laughs> we tension. need to step back here." The tension, like the way they, the cinematography where they're just like showing people just looking and watching and like all the tension and, and the build up to that was wild to me, man. Uh, TJ, what are your thoughts about that? Like the tension in that scene. The negative to something like Donald Trump getting elected is it provides <laughs> a voice to a yeah. bunch of bigots and idiots who realize I'm not alone in my stupid extreme opinion and I now right. get to voice it and feel comfortable. When that happens on the opposite scale and people realize when they're standing up to oppression, I'm not alone. There are other people who want to fight just like me and they see the crowd around them inspired by Marva that I, I'm not alone. Other people mm -hmm. want to do this. It's such such a great feeling and it's, it shows the importance of leaders. When you right. have leaders on a negative side, people follow leaders. If they aren't educated and they see somebody talking loudly and they're charming and they got charisma, they follow. And so it's so important to get those leaders on the proper side. It was something Marva failed to inspire Cassian to do earlier in his life. And mm -hmm. she kind of clicked in too late that this is what she wanted to be a part of. And she didn't just inspire Cassian, but she inspired all of Ferrix. Yeah. And I think that's just so incredible how that scene laid out. Um, that was kind of one of the, like the parts with the, uh, uh, Vel and sorry, what was the other spy's name again? Sinta. Um, Sinta. Sinta. Sinta um, and Vel. That was like kind of what, one of the things I meant like, I just kind of felt like, I would have liked something wrapped up there. Like I just, it was cool to see it their story, but I felt like I didn't know what was going on. And I just feel like there was supposed to be one more scene. There yeah. was supposed to be one more scene where Luthen and Andor head somewhere where they link back up with Cinta, where Cinta, or where Cinta and Bell all of a sudden link up with Mon Mothma for something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it just felt like there was one thing that we were missing there. Um, but oh my gosh, it was so incredible. Mm -hmm. No, it was really, really incredible. Uh, the other speech that I thought was really incredible, and we talked about it a little bit, was Nimic's speech and the manifesto. And Garrett, you talked about it a little bit earlier, man. Like, I think that is one of like the core of Star Wars. That's the core of the rebellion. Like, I don't think like it would be a rebellion without this. Like, I think like Marvel really inspired people. But this is the one that like makes you think, right? It's like strategy, and it's like like it has like logic behind it in a way that you're like, this it is philosophy. possible. It's philosophy, yes, it's philosophy, mm -hmm. and I thought that's really good. Garrett, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, uh, I I love I love that, and I've been expecting you know that reveal to come on the final episode of what the what was said in that manifesto, and I think yeah. there's a lot of brilliant things that were said but i wrote down like one thing in my notes in particular that stuck out to me and i think this kind of goes in tandem a little bit with what tj had said and that is tyranny requires constant effort it's it's their hand is always always has to be on the wheel and if it is ever for yes. one moment taken off the wheel that is what allows people the to those, the pockets the exactly and the pockets to start popping up all over the galaxy and causing these riots um and so i love how that is called back in action um in in towards the end of this episode however i do want to backtrack a little bit and just talk about how everyone glossed over cinta's assassination skills we said that she <laughs> murdered somebody yeah. but we never talked about how freaking smooth it was she mm -hmm. like circles him lures him inside the room and then stabs him so she ha doesn't have to do any dragging of a body or anything it was just oh, clinical man. like this woman has absolutely assassinated someone before yep. she's dangerous uh i want to know what the hell is going on there with that because that, that girl's middle, a cool, cool killer that just was like, the door. Gear, like up, yeah. let's gotta move on like that, yes. was, that, that was metal gear symptom man she's just out there like solid snake <laughs> yeah um, I did. I did want to read some of my favorite quotes from this uh, show. So, like, um, 
Here are some of my favorite. Read the whole episode out loud. <laughs> uh, yo, so this one like got me. Like, okay, there will be times when the struggle seems impossible, alone, unsure, dwarfed by the enemy. Remember this: freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Oh, I'm getting like, goosebumps again. Too good. <laughs> too good. And like we see this happening right now in Iran. Like these uh, protests, they were spontaneous. There was mm-hmm. no organization. It was no instructions. Completely just out of the blue because people were just tired, right? Tired, and like yeah. they said, like revolution is like rebellion is the voice of the unseen and the unheard. And I totally agree with that. Uh, the next one I also like. The need for control is so desperate because it's in unnatural. Tyranny requires constant effort. It's bleak. It leaks. Authority is so brittle. Operation uh, oppression is the mask of fear, and that one is so good because, Facts. yo, like police brutality, like it's happening here. Like it's just wild. I I really really. No, let's uh, go back to like um I can't remember which episode it was, but it was on it was like with with Mon Mothma. They were having this conversation about yeah. the essentially Patriot Act. Yeah, and they were like, hey, if they have nothing to hide. Why is law a problem? Right. Right. If they're doing nothing wrong, what's the issue? And then Mon has this amazing line. It's like, what is wrong? Like, I don't trust Ooh, what, what you're your definition of wrong. Of wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But yeah. that's what this is calling back to. Like, this is all tied in together. This is beautifully yeah. done. But well, so at, the, many... same, at the same time, too, we see that they have enacted this, this, this act that puts people in prison for no reason and lengthens right. their sentence and then... Once you get out, you just get transferred into another prison. So mm-hmm. it, he's saying, you know, well, if you just follow the rules, like, what's there to worry about? But we we are finding out in real time that there's a lot to worry about, even if you are following the rules, because Andor wasn't actually doing anything wrong when he got put in jail. So right. and that happens all the time in real life. It's just the show is so poignant. Uh, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Three other things that I kind of notice with specific characters um, that happen in real life as well that I thought was so interesting is how did what one of the things that I thought was tied in a bow so well was at first glance, we kind of see this character who is spyish, as Neebs talked about, too. He kind of comes out of nowhere in this episode. He just mm-hmm. we meet him for the first time and then all of a sudden he's trying to give Andor up by the end. Well, how did the first episode start? It was with Tim. Our everyone's least favorite Andor character, Tim, giving up Andor. And Tim with two M's and ending up, of course, just getting slaughtered because of this. Now, why did Tim... They both betrayed... They both went against their quote-unquote values, their city, their people, whatever you want to call it, but for two different reasons. Um, And it's exactly what you see... In, in the real world when it comes to oppression for Tim, it was due to, he felt inferior. He didn't have a strong self-worth. He was jealous. He wanted Bix and he didn't want Andor. He was in, in the a, past and he was worried. He was in a patriarchy filled with toxic masculinity and let that just get mm-hmm. in his head. And he mm-hmm. felt like I need to be, I need to get this man out of the way if I'm going to keep my woman. And yeah. because of that, he went with the bad guys and he paid the price. You see this guy at the end going with the mindset of not I'm jealous and I want to take out Andor, but ooh, maybe if I betray my people and go with the bad guys, maybe I can be on the highest part of the other of the other peasants, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. I can be um, the duke uh, over all uh, over all these peasants, and the king will treat me well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And True. so in this, and we kind of see all of those come to a close here. And there was something specifically with uh, the manifesto I wanted to touch on as well. But uh, something about Andor just always makes me lose my train of thought because it's so deep yeah. that there's yeah. so many things <laughs> on us. Exactly. Like anything you, you say can spring off a different yeah. conversation no it's very true because not only did this show make you think about the people in the rebellion but also the people on the opposite side right people in the cock people in middle management that are part of the oppression right and you see where they are they're not like glory hungry people or trying to oppress people they think they're doing the right thing they think order is important and you see that with the uh, uh deidre right like 
horror story and Cyril, and we got to see that. And also, that sexual tension in in, in the closet was that is it. That is the thing that I forgot. I wanted to touch on that I forgot about because that was another that. part that I went. I don't like this. This feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I said uh, I thought that was because he was a stalker, and yes. so we were kind of Facts. gone to. We're supposed to look at this kind of through the lens of he is doing all the creepy dude things that happen to women all the time. And so when women watched that, it made them feel very uncomfortable because they could mm-hmm. can't count the amount of times something like that has happened to them where a guy just didn't yeah. understand no and thought they were playing hard to get. Yeah. And so what I didn't incel vibes. Uh, incel vibes. Exactly. Big incel vibes. And so when I first saw that is oh they're rewarding the incel vibes i don't like this but then look who it's happening with right it's deirdre Deirdre, right and so she's doing everything she can to support the bad guys she's working and dealing every day with all these people who from an intelligence standpoint are way inferior to her she doesn't get listened to and instead of rebelling she just wants more and more and more to be accepted by that regime. So this yes. is clearly a person that's pretty messed up in the head herself. And so it makes sense. She would then be willing to, to be embraced by something so toxic. Yeah, totally agree. That tracks. Oh my God. <laughs> that was wild. That was insane to me, but like, yeah, you put it, I felt those exact things and you expertly just laid it out there. Like, no, well <laughs> that is so true, man. They rewarded insult behavior and it was just like, but then you see like who it was and you're like, yeah, that, that checks. Oh man. It was such an uncomfortable scene, but I tell you just got to find yourself your Marjorie Ooh. Taylor green or Candace Owens. Exactly. Yo, people Same in the thing. comments are wild, wilding out right now. They're wild. <laughs> Yo, I gotta say, uh, Dedra getting hit in the head with like what has to be the world's tiniest rock was, <laughs> was one of the best parts of the episode. Oh, <laughs> Just man. getting stomped on after. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. Oh man, um, that was really really good. Um, and then like the whole fight breaks out, man, and and that. I feel like was directed so well, like the action, the sequence, the tension, like the pipe you really bomb. felt like the, the pipe. Mm. Oh my god! And that went up, and you see all the other like there was like it was such a great build, and that's what the show is really good at, which I don't think like is getting credit for because like people want shows that are like every episode is amazing, like they want highs every episode, right? But you got to build up to that high, and I like the three episodes process right they give you one episode they give you two episodes and then boom one episode two episode boom and it's just like it's just so rewarding and if people are not into delayed gratification like i i get why this show is hard to watch but like if you put up with it it's the payoff is so good it's such a good payoff and i like this way i like this the way it, it does this unlike shows that like the disney shows where it's like they do everything in the last episode, right? They just like hammer it all in there, right? They're like, they build up, they build up, and then just everything in the episode. This one, every three episodes, we get this like arc, and it's just really satisfying. I think it's what because think? this one has to be that way because it's only two seasons, right? Yeah. There will never be an Andor season three, Yeah. right? There's no adding on to it. We're going to go right into Rogue One with the story. Yeah. And I think having that creative limitation forces you to think a different way and do better with each three-episode sequence or, you know, episode sequence, however many number of episodes per sequence you want to do. I think having that limitation forces them to be better, and I think that's what they're doing here. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's also so important, too, to consider what the goal is behind the shows. And so it's easy to just look at it in a vacuum and say, well, if She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, Loki, Moon Knight, whatever, if it was 12 episodes, just like Andor was we probably would have gotten a lot more of those arcs being fleshed out and they wouldn't have felt rushed. Mm -hmm. But then we think about it, we got to think about, well, what was the purpose of those shows? We know how Andor ends. We know the climax Andor story. We We are wanting to see how the the rebellion starts on the ground level. That's what Andor is showing us. And so it requires 12 episodes to flesh out all of those stories. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the point of Ms. Marvel? 
It was to introduce us introduce, to Kamala Khan yep. and for Kamala Khan to become Ms. Marvel. Yep, Same yep. thing with She-Hulk. At the beginning, she's Jennifer Walters. At the end, she is the She-Hulk. And uh, in Loki, that one's the one where it was a little bit different because the purpose wasn't to introduce us to a character. It was to introduce us to the multiverse. The multiverse. Or that. Um, but all the shows had a specific purpose of if you just if you see this character in a movie two years down the road and want to know what they're about, this yeah. show explains that at the mm. beginning, they are their person. And by the end, they are their hero. Same that thing with Falcon sense. and the winter soldier. He's still Falcon at the, at the end, but or sorry, at the beginning, but by the end he's captain, captain America. America. It's just the arc of them becoming who they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas I want more of it. I'd enjoy it more if it was 12 episodes like Andor was. Yeah. Um, I like the 12 episode format a lot better. But that's not what those shows were supposed to do. And so it's kind of tough to take something for what it is as opposed to what you want it to be. But I think that's also one of the things that made Andor so awesome is the chance to flesh out all of these awesome arcs and take their time and pay proper attention to each one. Give Andy Serkis never more than 12 Oh. Only caring about himself to, to at the end, only caring about his team. He can't even swim. And yes. he knew that was the only way he was getting out, but he didn't give a damn because he wanted to get those people out. Yeah. And that's what the rebellion is. It's the sw- small switch of, I don't care about just myself anymore. I care yes. about the people around me. I care about taking Something down weird. this regime. It's what happened to Andy Serkis in an ep- in a span of three episodes, and it's what happened on a greater scale to Cassian Andor throughout. Yeah. The it's and it's actually what happened to everyone, almost everyone that came in contact with Andor. He yeah. inspired many rebellions everywhere he went in this series, in this season, and it wasn't until the end that he realized. Like oh shit I'm actually sorry I don't know if I can say that yeah oh, you can curse, curse. Uh, mm-hmm. oh I you know I I, <laughs> I he realizes like I want to be a part of this without realizing how much he had already done in his path um, bro you so, just blew my mind because the layers right, of the show are just phenomenal it's, it's full circle because he did the Aldani heist the Aldani heist is what inspires. Marva. Marva. Marva yeah. is who expires everyone. Holy crap, you're right. What? Mm-hmm. It's a circle. That's yeah. insane. And then that inspires him. Like, bro, that's so cool. Yeah, this, it's so clear to me that it was written. Everything was written with the two seasons in mind. And I think that having the whole trajectory of the path and knowing like it starts here, it ends here definitively, they were able to tie in everything so perfectly that and I don't even think we're going to be able to understand the depths of it until we see the second season and we're all the way through yep. like this entire project. And we're, and then we'll start to understand more things about this season. Like we're already, we're already watching and finding out new things each time, but like the depth of it, I don't even think will be understood until the whole project is completed. Man. I think they have even more content outside of the 24 episodes. That they're just going to release like online somewhere, like little mini episodes here and there, like throughout like, oh, something happened in this, you know, episode 11, Star Wars, right? And they'll release a little clip of it online. Like, yeah, this is what happened in this part of Andor that led to this thing happening so much far in the future. I think they're going to be doing all of That'd this. That'd be crazy. It's going to be great. We're in for a yeah. wild ride for the next few years. And I'm so uh, excited. What, what about the rescue? Let's talk about the rescue with Bix because we haven't talked about that yet. So anyone uh, oh. want to go, Jazz, you want to go for that? I mean, can we start off with how Bix was like, no, they'll get mad if I go. Yeah, That broke me. Yeah. No, no, that like legit made me cry. I was like, "Oh, damn, they broke her." Because and... think of how many people don't want to rebel because they've been broken. Yeah, too much yes. shit has happened to them, and they're done, mm-hmm. and they've had enough. And that we just see all the different hammers and tools that fascism and oppression has, and that was just one example. Sorry, Jeff. No, 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 exactly, and that's exactly why it broke me because. We see this happening everywhere, right? We see, you know, people losing their jobs. We see in other parts of the world, quite frankly, um, we see actual torture. We see people being bone sawed, cut alive, and you can, and you know, the people who are doing it just have headphones in their ears, saying, "Oh, I'm just doing my job." Like these things do happen. This is actually what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. Like this mm-hmm. is not like. Something that isn't, I'm making it up. Like, this, these things do happen. And then yes. seeing Bix like this, I'm just like, oh, man, that hits. 
just because we hear these stories and then seeing how this could happen in a show like this, right? We don't hear the screaming little alien kids that are dying and then they cause whatever happens, but it's enough to give you that punch in the gut to where you're like, oh man, if I see something like this, I need to be able to say something because this is not okay. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. for sure, man. That's that's very true. And then like even at the end... At the end, she was like, Andrew's going to come save us while he's right there. Like, I don't think she was all there. And she it was wasn't. really sad to see. It reminded me a lot of, like, obviously a lot less anger and a lot more sadness, but just like Tony Stark at the beginning of Endgame vibes of just like, I'm defeated. I have yeah. nothing left. All the juice has been taken out of me here. But I think this show's message is so important. It just kind of speaks to all the things we talked about. Of, living for the collective we not me the importance of it's so simple of there's no i in team but the importance of living for each other caring about each other and not only caring about yourself doesn't matter the stage that you're at if you're it's applicable to to our real life society if you're licking if you're licking the boots of billionaires well like there's not a billionaire on the planet that got that money ethically. There's no way they no. could spend all no, that money. They they, then there's no exa- exactly. And you're never going to be a billionaire. So like get, get off their jock a little bit and just kind of think about all the people that this is hurting. And when we think about others, we see the power, we mm-hmm. see the power of standing together. Whereas all these people who tried to do their own thing, it wasn't going their way. Like Andor wasn't going their way until they decided I need to do what is right. I need to do what is good for everybody, not only care about myself and take my money and go run onto a beach mm-hmm. because that's exactly what ba- it did after all Donnie. Ba- exactly. Bad things happen. Oppression happens and it might affect me, but even if it doesn't for him, it was basically just like, Oh damn, this could even happen to me if I'm doing nothing wrong. Yeah. Uh, whereas maybe that isn't the best reason to inspire you, but Hey, Whatever gets you on the proper it works. side. Yeah, it yeah. works here. <laughs> so I think for Bix, I think I think she's not completely broken. I think there's still I think she's there a bit and I think she still has the fight in her. I think mm-hmm. she, oh, 100% she has a fight. She I think got she, up. she 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 is the epitome of the show. Um and you see this right before Andor rescues her when you're hearing the townspeople chanting and the the instruments are going off. I, I got to mention this real quick because I wasn't sure what it was, but it looked like a clarinet flute, but it yeah. had like a tri pronged. It was a really cool instrument. Shout out to the costume design. Shout out to the set design of the show. It's uh, it's incredible. But she, they're shouting sky and stone, stone, and, stone. stone yeah. and sky, whatever it is. And she, she says it with them. So you, mm-hmm. I think she's still, yeah, she's still there a bit, regardless of the cries of the aliens. And I think the deaf, the, the lack of that sound that we get is actually, I think, worse. And I think it's yeah, very yeah. Yeah. Um, It's definitely worse. For despite us. that, she's still there and uh, ready to fight. And I think that's the point of the show. And uh, again, you can think about it in many different ways and watch it four different times and come back and have four different reasons for it. But uh, yeah. I think she's still got the fight in her and she's going to be a driving force in the second season. For well, sure. Speaking of Hopefully. the second season and a driving force, what about Mon Matma in the car having that conversation about like the casinos and stuff like that? That was kinda... beautiful. Brilliant. Oh. Amazing. Brilliant. Oh. She is so smart. Like genius. But like, also, like, I feel so terrible for her because she's about to make a deal with the devil and we see it for oh, one yeah. half of a scene for flashes very briefly yes. of her, her husband, and her daughter. Uh, for oh the what we assume is to be the betrothal, um, but and she has to do this knowing yeah. that that's the eventual next step too. So it just shows you what the people at the top were willing to put on the line, what they were willing to sacrifice yeah. for this rebellion. And we saw it in the episode previous with Luthen saying, you know, I have to sacrifice everything. Nobody knows what I get to do. It's I have yeah. to use the tools of my enemy. And in yes. this episode, we get to see more of her sacrifice um 
it's just another another excellent showing of how fantastic the writing in the show is her sacrificing of her husband there Perrin. i was like what the hell i was like good get him out of here (laughs) i didn't see that coming at all i didn't think mon mothma would ever do something that heinous because like she straight up lied to convince her spy gaslit him (laughs) yeah that like my husband's gambling away all this extra money and all the extra money is missing from our accounts. Well, now you know where it's going. Like, yes, it was such a brilliant move. And I feel so bad for one parent. I mean, he's a piece of shit. Don't get me wrong, but to go down like that. Wow. And it was so awkward to watch even like, that's how good of a scene it was. It was almost like we were in the car too, like in the front seat with Cloris, like, Oh shit. did they really just say that? Like, that's how I yeah. felt. I was, and that's just another, like the show builds tension so incredibly in the episode, in the, the no way out or the one way out episode. I literally had to sit up in my bed because like my legs were physically shaking. I've right? never had that. I've never had that happen to me. Like such a pronounced physical yeah. feeling from a show. And I like, for like 10 minutes, my legs were just sh- shaking and I couldn't stop them. Uh, it was crazy. So that's what the, the show has done to me. The <laughs> Okay. What about the final scene where uh, Cassian comes in to see Luthen and he's like, hey, you came here to kill me? Go ahead. Kill me or take me with you? Or so take sick. me in, yeah. I was take like, me in, take me in, yeah, yeah. Bro. DJ, DJ, and then the smile he had, like. Yes. Smart because that was basically what Luthen was waiting for and or to feel he, to yeah. join the team from the very get-go. He was always hoping he was never going to just one-to-one and done it and so smart of andor to know luthan would probably take him aboard and not just shoot him mm-hmm. um while at the same time kind of feeling like he probably was welcoming death a little bit just with marva being gone but yeah. i think he knew more strategically that it was a less than likely scenario and luthan was going to bring him on board a little bit I yep. thought that tied up the Andor Luthen story well. I thought yes. it t- tied up the Andor Marva story well. Yep. The one thing I'm still sitting here being like is, where the hell's his damn sister? Yeah. And why yeah. does he not care anymore? Why? Like that was. I understand it. He's his focus has gone from me and what I care about in my family and my person to the whole galaxy. But why was that such an important part of the last the first three episodes? Only for it to not get brought up again. I yeah. mean, it could be that there is a, a scene like before he leaves Marva, where he, where she, like, is like, she's dead. Like, mm-hmm. like, just get over it, deal with it. And that I think it just is part of him, his coming to terms with like, yeah. this is what's important. That's mm-hmm. not like she's probably right. She probably is dead. And now this, but is that's what she important. wanted for him, right? She wanted him to move on. She wanted him to forget it. And then when she died, he was like, all right, maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, but it's possible she could come back in the second season. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure. I'm I mean, sure y'all know the theories behind that, right? Tell us. Well, my theory. You want to hear my theory? My theory sure. is the Luthen's assistant is actually his sister. That's my. I, I yeah. have heard that once. I believe in one of our chats from yeah. one of our episodes, and that would be crazy. <laughs> what about you, Jazz? That'd be theory? pretty. I think that'd be cool. Man. Okay. So. Here's the thing. Um, when we saw the sister in it was episode two, right? Mm-hmm. She looked not ambiguous. She was definitely she had like South Asian features. I think it could be Cinta. <gasps> Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. even know. That? I don't know. So they're just both stone cold killers then. Just a family of stone cold killers. Yeah. I'm about that. I'm about <laughs> she was killing with some precision. I gotta respect it. <laughs> right. I think it all ties in together. That this whole time the sister was there. That was interesting. Cool. Interesting. Cool. I if we're gonna if we're gonna talk theories, this one doesn't really necessarily pertain to what you guys just said, but something I would love to see for the second season something that would tie in my two favorite projects would be some kind of agent callus sighting in the isb the, the agent who uh, flips to mm-hmm. becoming fulcrum uh eventually in rebels i would love to see like the beginning of that because i believe uh 
I, I don't remember his name, but we do see someone who we see in like only in like a hologram or something in Rebels. He's like a wolf or something. He's like a white haired guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was a, yeah, it was W U L F F. Yep, yep. Yeah. And yeah, that, like they that. actually mentioned him in Andor. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's in it, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's in one yeah. episode. Um, and yeah, but I'd love to see an Agent Callus because that's one of my favorite uh, twists and turns from that series and setting that up. We know that, you know, we know he's there in the animated world and they're the same world. So well, we'd love to see a sighting, you know? They're mm-hmm. for sure setting it up because they also, um, when Andor first went to uh, the prison, right? They they were talking about a couple of tattoos and one of them was the Hand of the Empire. Mm. Now, who was the Hand of the Empire? It's Admiral Thrawn. So they're all tying all of this together. And next season, especially with the Ahsoka show happening in between, we're going to get a lot more details here figured out. That's going to be so, exciting. Neebs, I don't want to jump ahead on the rundown or anything like that, but I just kind of want to say that I have disappointment about the post credit scene, as ominous as it was. Oh, 100%. Andor is all about the ground level of Star Wars. It's all yeah. about the inner workings of the Empire. And I understand right. that the purpose was, this is what it's like for all the people on the world. Well, zoom out to this big ball in the sky that's going to blow everybody to oblivion. And everything they do down here... It doesn't matter up here until it obviously builds up to the big Rogue One finale. But I couldn't help but feel like when I want when I'm watching prequel media, I want new connections, new things weaved in that I go, mm-hmm. oh, oh, that's happening here. Oh, yeah. Whereas the Death Stars, like we all know, the Death Stars looming. The, mm-hmm. the, I, I don't mind that because, like, like again, like I take a lot from real world stuff. So to see these prisoners make this weapon without their knowledge that's going to mm. hurt other people kind of goes a long way. Like I know people who work in defense and they don't know that they're building something. I do have friends build. who work for like right. North of Grumman and Raytheon. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? They're building stuff that's going to go and kill <laughs> their fellow people with drones and stuff. And I feel mm-hmm. like for me, that kind of resonated a little bit. Cause that's you fair. see them, you see this. them make this, those connections. What runs in the comments? The, he, yeah. the gizmos they were building the prison. Those were the gizmos they were using to connect the various yeah. pieces of the Death yeah. Star. I think they I had guess, to bring that in to show, like, oh, like, what, what they were, were building, they building in prison for four so episodes. Yeah. I guess, yeah, was. that's totally fair. They it, was sitting, it was sitting so directly in my brain that they are building the Death Star that yeah, when I yeah. watched that, that didn't really hit like a, oh, that I is think, what they were building. Yeah. To me, it was just Everyone like, here oh, is because we're the nerds. It's because we knew. Yeah, <laughs> we're Andor, Andor says something like, "They need whatever we're building here," you know. So yeah, we crazy. all like, I think everyone assumed at that point, like, "Okay, this is probably for but the Death also, Star." But we love to see the confirmation. But you also got to see the scale, right? Because they needed so many people, and they had to put these people in prison to make so much of that. So they're incentivized to put people in prison. And when you have a society where people are incentivized, U.S. government, you know how that's wrong. <laughs> yeah 100 percent. Right. the exact same thing we see in u.s canada all over the world yep. especially over. places with for-profit privatized prisons 13th you Amendment. get people in you get people in jail you throw people in you arrest them they can't afford bail they are sitting there awaiting trial and doing yep. work that mm-hmm. goes that towards happens. all of these other things just like we saw on the show but the post credit scene i wanted back to nerd i i i, I swap back and forth from uh Social justice warrior to nerd, real quick. <laughs> <That's laughs> right. No, no, we're all interconnected yeah. with it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, get it. Um, I get it. The reality TV nerd Venn diagram may not be big, but the social justice warrior nerd Venn diagram is that's the one that we like. It's that's circle. Yes. That's where that's the circle we like to hang out in. <laughs> I wanted Thrawn. I thought this was the pitch perfect opportunity to introduce yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn. We know he's going to be a big part of Ahsoka. That's going to be the thing coming next. Yep, yep. We can't assume everybody that has watched, um, that has watched, uh, that is going to be watching Ahsoka will have watched Star Wars Rebels. Right. And so it just seemed like a perfect opportunity to connect something to Thrawn. Yeah. So, oh, there was all this incompetence in the Empire. Well, guess what? The Let's show you Mr. Competence real quick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The most intelligent person in the Empire, mm-hmm. except maybe number two to Palpatine, 
is going to be oh no all the shots thrawn for sure was smarter palpatine just happened to have space magic that's the only difference (laughs) because if he did not have space magic and if thrawn had space magic oh shit y'all better watch out yeah i've read some thrawn books and that man is so smart and it's (laughs) that's one of my favorite characters of all time because Mm -hmm. he's just so menacingly smart and in rebels i love (laughs) i love that like he would have got them every time except for someone else in the empire like doesn't follow his plan and that's what allows them to escape (laughs) and it's just like oh man he sets up the perfect trap the perfect plan every time and one dude just moves moves the barricade and they just (laughs) shoot through in hyperspace come on man (laughs) give the guy a break Rosie, thank you for talking about the World Cup and uh, building stadiums and slave labor that use from South Asia. Great point, man. Thank you. (laughs) Listen, guys, thank you so much. We're getting to the end of our show. Thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. We had such a great time talking about it, and this was such a great episode. Before we leave, guys, tell people where they can find you guys. TJ, you want to go first? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and all the social medias, TJ underscore Zwarich5, Z-W-A-R-Y-C-H, but I don't really care if you follow me. Check out agentsoffandom.com and Agents of Fandom on all the socials except Twitter. We're at Agents Fandom, YouTube, Twitch, all the the spots you can find us. We've been putting out some great, great content lately, and uh, we got our podcast, the Ticket to Reality podcast, the Agents of Fandom podcast where we do just like these guys, we swap back and forth between our reality TV and our, uh, (laughs) it's great. It's so great. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, like we talked about early in the show, we got this amazing, amazing team of almost 30 people now, and we're putting out tons and tons of content every day. So make sure you uh, check out the website, check out the podcasts and the YouTube page as well. Yeah, we're big awesome, fans, man. so please do check them out. Yes, yes. yes. I'm going to be like, you know that uh, TikTok name? I'm trying to be like you, my guy. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Gary, uh, what about you, man? Where can people find you? Yes, you guys can find me at Real Slim Blaney, B-L-A-N-E-Y on Twitter or at the Real Slim Blaney on Instagram. And then just to kind of tack on to what TJ said, on the agentsoffandom.com website, we have a little tab called Agents of Change. We talked about kind of some social justice stuff here on this episode and that is essentially our intersection of nerddom and uh activism so yes it's it's been a little bit stagnant for a while but we do plan on you know beefing that up and that's that's it's it means a lot to us so go check that out and hopefully we'll be adding to that shortly yeah i I I might come back and help you out with that because uh fun fact i am actually a committee man for the texas democratic party and I'm one of 62 statutory members here that run for the entire state. So uh, if you want to make some That's actual change, idea. we can get some. We, we can have some fun with that. We would. Oh, we'll, let's, we'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be in touch for sure. I'll, uh, I actually I dropped a piece in the YouTube chat as well of Brandon Moore, one of our writers. He wrote yes, truly the no. best piece on our website. It's the best piece of anything I've ever written. Yes. It's called uh, Racism and Fandom and Examination. And yes. what we it's talked really about good. earlier, the Reva casting in Obi-Wan Kenobi is what kind of inspired him. And all the hate that she got was what inspired mm-hmm. him to write this piece. And it made me cry, gave me shivers. It's talks about terrible things and ends wildly hopeful. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, dropped that in there to uh, check out. But yeah, Jazz, we, we're definitely going to have to be in touch because that's that's incredible. And yeah. we're ready mm-hmm. to make some make some real change. Yeah, awesome. In fact, um, the Democratic National Committee, they're giving me access to all the data I need. So Ooh. that's something that's never happened before, but it'll be fun. That's, the next few years are going to be a lot of fun. That's really awesome, man. And also a uh, shout awesome. to Parker in the comments. Um, we're doing yes. the... Uh, AF, uh, another agent. Yeah, so he and I are also doing the uh, interracial draft podcast where we uh, change yes. the race and superheroes. Yeah, so he and I are doing that together as the South Asian delegation. It's a lot of fun. Wow! Shout out, shout cool. out the shout out the racial draft podcast run by our friend MTF. I, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm on the white delegation, sadly. I tried to let them it is give what me it, a, is. it never sounds good me. though. Yeah, like, I, I, Representing I the whites. <laughs> I don't want my team to win. Like when we did, when you did the poll and it's like, what do you think of white, this character? And it's like, white Batman. <laughs> 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 
I tried to get him to give me the maple syrup delegation, just like let me be Canada. Oh, that'd be work. even more fun like, you are now a polite punisher the very first uh podcast episode i was ever on for the racial draft which is what i love about that crew because when you think of just the racial draft on the surface, it could be very like, Ooh, like yeah. that doesn't sound great. You know what I mean? Like, but the whole purpose is to have nuanced conversations mm-hmm. and to have the conversations that you don't typically get on Twitter and to think critically what characters aren't dependent on their race. As the white delegation, I could not select the Black Panther because I'd be challenged and I'd lose right. because his yeah. race is critical to his character. Mm. Whereas somebody like Peter Parker, Spider-Man, it's, it's literally anyone could be under the mask. Under wow, the mask, his wow, whiteness is not inherent to his character. Yes. Um, and so it just it's all about having those conversations. And the very first podcast episode I was on was talking about the differences between the states and Canada and the similarities between the states and Canada with slavery and residential schools here in Canada and just so many different, different forms of oppressions that have so many similar, have so many similarities and how Canada is a lot more welcoming and accepting in the States in a lot of ways, but it's almost annoying because we are portrayed that way and we're actually a lot worse than we're portrayed. Um, And so the way they titled the episode after me explaining all of that was colonization, but with a dash of maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, I don't know what we can talk about. (laughs) We're going to end it on that note. Well, listen, guys, thank you so much for being here. And you got to welcome back anytime, man. We're welcome to get some more people. And until next, until next time, guys, salam nerds. Peace.